Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is Chris Brockhurst. Chris is a filmmaker based in Canada, originally from the UK, who has a channel based on filmmaking tips and tutorials, as well as gear reviews and all sorts of amazing, entertaining content. He's been able to create a revenue for himself on YouTube, as well as running a full-time freelance business doing weddings and real estate videography. In our conversation, we talk about how he's been able to build a business around gear and filmmaking tutorials. We talk about the struggles of doing all of this online, as well as Formula One racing, video games, and dogs. I want to encourage you guys to go over to youtube.com slash ghpod and watch the video version of this show. Obviously, if you prefer to listen to audio, have at it. You can enjoy this audio podcast as well. But please subscribe to the Golden Hour Podcast YouTube channel. It would mean the world to me. All right, without any further ado, let's listen into my conversation with Chris Brockhurst. This is the first time we've actually like met, I guess you could say, right? I believe so, yeah. We've I think we talked on Clubhouse a bit and then um we've been on Twitter for forever, friends mm -hmm. on Twitter. But Best place. Yeah, tell me about yourself. How did you get started into this filmmaking YouTube space and where did you come from? You I hear an accent. Are you from somewhere special? That is a heavy question. Um, I uh, I grew up in the UK and I moved to Canada when I was 23. Um, so I've been here 11 years now. Um, and in terms of how did I get started in like the filmmaking world, um, I, I went to university for film, film and photo media creation. Mm -hmm. It was called Digital Screen Arts, the course. And it... It was a solid course, but I, uh, I I only did it for two years, and then it started to go very, very abstract and just not what I was into, so I dropped out. And then, <laughs> yep. really, I, I didn't do anything until probably 2012. I think the first time I, first job I got when I came to Canada, because none of my qualifications meant anything when I moved, um, I was working in a camera store, or a, a computer store, and they sold cameras, and it got me back into cameras. I bought a Canon 60D and uh, the rest is kind of oh, history from there camera. in terms of... It was. It was. It was like my first <laughs> DSLR that had... You could you could put a nifty 50 on it and you could you get your background separation, your, your bokeh and yep. it just opened and it was, up the doors it was the of first, possible uh, thing. I believe it was the first Canon camera with a flip screen too. So a lot of people right, yeah. really loved that camera for that for that reason. And then obviously mm -hmm. since then they've been putting them on everything. But um, at that time, like I was shooting on, I was fortunate enough to be working with a guy who had a 5D Mark II and I personally right. owned a 7D. And then the uh -huh. 60D came out and it had the same sensor as the 7D, but it, it did, had the yeah. flip screen. And uh, I think the build quality wasn't as good. It obviously didn't have some of the photo features that the 7D had. But for video shooters, the one. 60D was was cheaper and it was honestly probably the better option. Um, the T2i also, camera. do you remember that one? The T2i, I do, that yeah. camera was really cheap and really popular for a long time, but that was like um, the first budget version, right? Yeah, it was pretty sure it was. Yeah. Um, okay. So you got the 60 D you dropped out your, mm -hmm. your college dropout, like many of us. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about your YouTube journey? Then... Yeah. So YouTube started, uh, probably about three years ago. I think I, I consider when. I consider my YouTube journey to start when I started posting consistently because I've had a channel since 2000, 
six. I think when YouTube very first started, I, I was one of the very first to join. And I just made holiday films with the family and posted a, a few videos here and there. It'd be, it'd be like one video a year and it wasn't for people to view. It was more for me to have it on there and share it with like the family, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, totally. And then, um, yeah, and then I started... Uh, it's not that an exciting story. Really. It's the same way as everyone else. I started watching Casey vlog and uh, <laughs> started seeing Peter come up yeah. and then you just start to realize, you know what? That looks like fun. I love playing with cameras. I love making videos for myself. Let's do it. So uh, I started doing it and the easiest thing for me to go straight into, like most people is with reviews because you already have gear. You talk about what you know, you talk about what you have and just kind of, of led into where we're at now and now trying to, not move away from reviews, but do a newer version of the reviews, lesser of the spec reading and more of experience based and more enjoyable yeah. content for me to make opposed to just reading a spec sheet and much like everyone else is doing, to be honest with you, everyone's kind of oh, going yeah. the same route, I think. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I think hopefully the listeners of this podcast aren't tired of hearing it, but uh, that's been one of the main topics of conversation with myself and with several other creators on the show is that after you do gear reviews for a while, even if it's just a year or two, it kind of can become a cycle of like, okay, this is the same thing as last year, except it's a little better. What else am I going to add to this? And when you're, when it's brand new and fresh, every review you do is fresh because it's the first time you've ever reviewed anything like it. And also cameras have gotten so good that there's less to complain about. So there's less mm-hmm. like um, drama, if you will. Um, yep. I think back two years ago when I started with Kinetika, almost every camera that Canon made had something wrong with it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we still have the Panasonic. I tweeted this the other day. Like if Panasonic fixes their autofocus, like it's kind of game over at that point. Then you have Sony and Panasonic and Canon. They're all crushing it. Yep. That's the only thing left is like if Panasonic actually put good autofocus in their camera, then it'd be like, okay, now what? We're actually bored now because <laughs> yeah. everything well, works. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like how we're out with phones and iPhones. It's For a yeah, while, these new features kept coming out. And it's like, oh, we've, we've got a fingerprint sensor. Now we've got a camera that does this. And now we do 4K video. But now really what else can you go in or can go yeah. in the cameras other than... 8K and then it's just okay well now we get 8K 60 8K 1 and it's just a vicious cycle <laughs> but nobody but nobody cares we're at the point where we don't need that's that that's crazy yeah exactly yeah and then you need a new computer to edit it and now you need memory cards that cost a thousand dollars so it's a vicious <laughs> yeah. cycle I had a somebody texted me who's not like in the filmmaker space and he was like hey I'm thinking about buying the A7S 3 but it's only 4K is that mm-hmm. is that okay like is that future proof enough 4K. like should I I was like dude <laughs> like Believe me, the you know we've arrived at this point. The A7S III is quite, almost, literally a perfect camera. Um, yeah. Th- yes, of course, the resolution isn't as good. And you actually made a wonderful video about uh, a hack with resolution with that camera. But, um, anyways, I think it's crazy that people are saying like, 4K isn't enough, and it's just marketing BS, really, because. It is. Nobody is watching it, anything in 8K. I guess it's the same conversation, sort of, that we had back in the day when 1080 was still kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. And then 4K started rolling out. It's like, yes, you get more resolution to play with in post. And I, I can I can understand that argument, I guess. But um, for the most part, like, just chill. 4K that's what is I'd great. say. Really, the only 
the only benefit to it is is being able to crop in and still have 4k right yeah. like i the reason i shoot in 4k now is because for most client work i'm exporting it in 1080 so yeah which is kind of a level up <laughs> well, i mean we're there, shooting really, this but... one into we're shooting this uh, interview in 1080 because i don't want to deal with exactly the two hour long podcast and even no, 4k is too it. much you know 50 gigabyte um, file just not worth it <clears throat> Yeah, so your channel for people who aren't familiar with it, you you really cover a wide range of topics in the gear filmmaking review space. Uh, you've done some great tutorials, like I just said. You did a great tutorial on how to get uh, better resolution out of the A7S. I really love that video and shared it with a couple of friends. Um, Thank you. You know, where's your current like? What what are some of your current goals right now with your channel? Are you making money on the channel Ooh. too? Like, are you still doing freelance stuff on the side? What's kind of oh yeah yeah going My, on? With, well, I had a full time job journey? up until um, I had a full time job really up until January of this year, and then I quit. Uh, but yeah, a big portion of my income is YouTube based. But then I'm also a uh, a freelancer for a lot of real estate, small businesses, and then in the summer when weddings happen again, uh, I do a lot of weddings. And uh, that's something that I really enjoy doing. So that's a big portion of my income as well. Oh, weddings. Um, yes. I know you have a, a love-hate relationship, mostly a hate with weddings, but I genuinely <laughs> enjoy them. I, I quite enjoy I, them. But I, I get to do them with my wife, so it's different for me. Oh, that yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like editing weddings. That's the only thing that I... It, Same. It was really Same. hard. <laughs> the shooting it, the shooting becomes just a, a pattern and it's very yeah. easy and it's I don't find it a bad day. You're outside for most of the day. It's and, fun, uh, yeah. But you're right. The editing is is a week of sat on a computer or three days of sat on a computer and <laughs> yeah. hating and, the music uh, that you're editing to and <laughs> yeah. yeah. I but uh, no, back to I my other question. Right. Your other question. Go on. go on. I was just gonna explain my case on why I hate it. It's just because there was a period of my life where we were shooting two or three a week and right. you know we were piling on so many edits. So we'd shoot on Friday and Saturday and then me and my buddies, we had a company together and like we would literally just sit in a room all day and edit weddings and it just became so monotonous and it's the same storyline mm -hmm. over and over. We're using the same music, you know, it just kind of became a, a formula and it lost that kind of intimate, special thing that weddings are supposed to be. So That's it. Uh, I'm not against it at all. In fact, I think it's one of the best things you can do to get started because you can get so much experience 100%. and you become fast and uh, more of a running gun shooter for sure. So Agreed. Very much agreed. Yeah. Yeah. The, when you have that backlog, it just, it's horrible just to know, <laughs> okay, well, I finished this one. I've got four more to do and now I'm shooting two more this weekend. So yeah, yeah I feel exactly. you. I feel you. Yeah. But it's a great but way yeah, to what, stop. What were you about to say before I cut you off so rudely? Uh, no, you're fine. Um, my YouTube channel right now, I'm kind of all over the place. Like I post a, a variety of like reviews, experience-based stuff. Um, I kind of like shooting, like I call them like a docu-vlog as well. Uh -huh. It's like uh, once a month, I just shoot with one lens to shoot basically family stuff, things that are going on in my life, hanging out with the family, doing things around the house, going out and doing things. Uh, and then I narrate it. And that, that's one of my favorite kind of videos to shoot. They don't do as well, but... That. Those are ones I genuinely enjoy shooting. And I kind of hacked the system in that I title it and thumbnail it as like a, this is a lens video. And then it turns out to be <laughs> yeah. a video, but it works. So I enjoy doing yeah, that. That's a good hack to actually mm -hmm. do something you love is if you, if you can sort of package it with a title and thumbnail that is more clickable, but 
get them to watch something that's a little bit more entertaining. I think it's a, a really important thing. And anybody who's listening and wants to get started, you could use this as a, a strategy for creating stuff that's a little bit more interesting than just a straight review. Um, the the problem is, and the trick is, is like if you're reviewing something that's like an NDA product and you do it in that mm-hmm. format and then you release it with everybody else's release, people kind of get pissed off because you get all these people who are new followers or people who've never heard of you watching your video and they're like, I just want the information, you know? So yep, you kind of have yep. to balance it out. Um, but it's totally possible. And obviously Potato Jet, McKinnon, they're all doing that and, and do a great job at it. So yeah, just repackage it as something else. What about yourself though? You're you're trying to go towards more entertainment based. I listened to one yeah, a few so, weeks ago you said where you're kind of still playing uh, ideas out, but like what's your how are you at with that? What's the stage? <laughs> yeah, so I uh currently this is the first corner of my bedroom here. It's it's not a bedroom, it's like a, a bonus room that we have in this house. This corner is the golden hour podcast corner. And then on okay. the opposite side of my camera here is a green screen wall I just bought. Uh, green screen paint did you know you could buy Perfect. green screen paint it's pretty cool that way you don't have that's to have a green screen all the time so i just i'm huh. just gonna paint my wall that way i never have to set that's it easy. up it's just always there yeah um so i'm gonna paint that wall and then um i'm gonna keep my dave mays channel which exists i've got like five thousand subs there and i haven't posted there in like a, a year or more <clears throat> but i'm gonna try to get back into gear reviews now i think i'll kind of stay in that world a little bit uh and kind of talk the behind the scenes of this show behind the scenes of mm-hmm. this other channel that i'm starting and the majority of my time will be spent on experimenting with this new channel that's purely entertainment it's like the superhero robot character that reacts to funny memes on the internet and i'm just going to try to make it as entertaining as possible it may eventually become a commentary channel or a reaction channel i'm not sure i need to do a couple of experiments and see what right. format I prefer and which which I like. But I love watching people like Drew Gooden and Daniel Gar- uh, Garcia and uh, or Gonzalez, sorry, <laughs> Daniel Gonzalez. Um, all these like reaction commentary channels. Uh, Mr. Beast, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started as a magician, you know, years ago. So, um, anyways, I'm talking too much. Um, it's in your background to to do some form of entertainment then. Exactly. So I've always had an entertainment edge with my gear reviews and I've always kind of battled the back and forth with the audience of like being too entertaining or what or too silly instead of just getting to the point of the of the product. But I don't know, maybe I'm just getting into my head and being ridiculous about it because obviously I could just keep going with doing gear stuff and do it on my own instead of Indie Mogul and Kinetika. So I think the, the the being silly is good though because it that's you right. I I'm a firm believer that people come to your channel yes for watching some of the videos that you put out on gear, but they also want to kind of see you. Yeah. So if you're silly you're and wrong. you get people to like you because you're silly, then there you go. I'm just a silly old boy. Um, <laughs> tell me about the podcast that you you started with uh, some of our mutual friends. And I'm I'm gonna try to yeah. get. I've, we've already had Emilio on the podcast. Now we've got you. We've only got one left. Um, and then I think and then we're, we're gonna have about, you. Yeah. So it's like a yeah. And then and basically all the guests that I have, you have on yours. So it's like this. It's big, funny, isn't it? Yeah. We were joking podcast. it. 
everyone's doing like a book tour of uh, all the different podcasts and uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Jesse for a while he was literally like he did ours and then the next week he did yours for the second time uh-huh. I think and then he did someone else's and yeah it's funny um, the podcast kind of started from Clubhouse we ran for I yeah. would say four or five weeks like a Clubhouse room and um, they were some weeks they do really good and then we start to see like by week four or five it just went from average of like 50 people in there to three or four so we noticed that the trend of clubhouse disappeared and we all just really got on uh we were all doing youtube channels we had similar goals we all had similar pains and things to complain about so we said let's start a podcast and we (laughs) we didn't want to do it in like the traditional sense and we all listened to i'm sure everyone knows smartless the podcast there we just straight copied the idea yes, and did it that. for uh, our niche instead, and it okay. honestly works. Like we're we're happy with how it's going. We had some some great guests on. It's really entertaining for us. Like we're always talking in the back end. So if anything, it's it's kind of made the three of us friends, which is just a great thing in itself. Yeah. What do you guys yeah, use we, before we started this podcast? I'm I'm using uh, what's it called? Uh, Zencaster. Zencaster. What are you yeah. guys using now? You had some issues with Zencaster. It's like a multi-podcast video audio app. I'm using it right, right now so for the first time. Hopefully it works, but... It seems to be working with us. So we used Zencaster to begin with, but the issue was there was always sync problems or someone would get disconnected or if someone's internet's not as good, then it would... They'd drop off and then when you try and match it all up in post, it was just a nightmare. I mean, really editing four people's videos and audio in itself is, is a bit of a nightmare. But we we just found it too much, so now yeah. uh, we do we do everything through Zoom. We record locally, and then uh, okay. everyone attempts to send all the files to Emilio. And there's always issues. There's still sync issues, and <laughs> we have slow internet. Like I live in a pretty rural area, so my internet takes a yeah. long time to upload the files. But it works in the end of the day. We're starting to realize now we need to really be a week ahead all the time. So. Yeah if we are a couple of days late sending the files or the guest is a bit late sending the files, it's not a big deal, but probably the same things that you deal with all the time as well. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's the struggles of podcasts. And you would think that, you know, in the filmmaking community, people will be on top of it, but you'd be surprised how many of my guests uh, have fails on the audio or the video or their internet is slow or they forget to send me something. And uh, so you know what using it is? Zencaster we're, is like, we all, my- we all like making things, but we're terrible at the admin side of stuff. I find that's for <laughs> yeah, me at least. It's true. Emails, sending files, staying on time with things. And I think that's what I'm surprised you guys are doing video. If you just cut out video and made it an audio only podcast, it would be so much easier. So much easier. <laughs> yeah. When you're a YouTuber, it's just like, oh yeah, we should do video, but it's hard like running a, I mean, I've been doing the podcast channel now for about three months and only now am I starting to see a little bit of traction. Um, it's hard to get the views up on that. And I think it takes time for the algorithm to figure out what to do with it. And then you also have like the whole clips channel idea too. It's mm-hmm. like, do I want to start another channel and ask people to subscribe to two channels? Like this isn't the Joe Rogan show. Like I don't have yeah. 5 million people listening. So like, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think it's worth me having another channel, spending time on it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I I didn't really understand that people watch podcasts on YouTube anyway. I didn't know that was a thing until we really started ours. 
and I guess people leave it running in the background and they listen to the audio, then they might check it now and then. But that's just a way for people yeah. to consume a podcast. I didn't realize that was a thing. So yeah, when Emilio said we were going to have a video as well, that opened my eyes to it. But <laughs> the clips aspect through Joe Rogan, I get why it's there. Because if, if, I don't know, like Joe Rogan has some big guests sometimes and there'll be something big that happens. Like all I can think of is like the Elon Musk one where he started um, <laughs> smoking a joint. Against, yeah. yeah, he's getting super high. And so... When I heard about that, I was like, okay, I want to search it. So you search it and it just brings up the clip straight away. So that's, I suppose, the reason that he has that. No one wants yeah, to yeah. skip through a three and a half hour podcast to try and find that one part. So it's smart in yeah, that respect, like, but... There's little viral moments almost in every podcast. Like yeah. there could be, even in our conversation, there could be one or two little segments that are only five minutes long that if it's titled properly and, and thumbnailed properly and put out there it could you know get picked up and somebody might be interested in it so but you know i just like you i'm not necessarily doing this for money polar pro does uh you know host this show and they do pay Mm -hmm. me as an employee to be the host of this show but other than that like this podcast does not make money the goal of it isn't to make money the goal of it is just to have conversations uh with creators and and stuff like that so it makes sense. Um, so let's talk gear because we're both gearheads mm-hmm. and gear nerds. Um, are you a Sony yeah. shooter? I am a Sony shooter, yeah. What are A7S3. you shooting on these days? A7S3. I just got the FX3. Okay. Uh, I've been waiting for the FX6 for a while. That's like my dream camera, the FX6. I've had a pre-order yeah. in for like three months, but it's impossible to get here in Canada. Literally impossible. Really? Uh, yeah. Is it still on order? Yeah, I put in my pre-order in February, and I don't think it's coming now until around like end of July, something like that. Holy cow. Yeah. I wow, kind of feel like buddy... there's going to be an FX6 too by then. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, really. That's awful. Maybe there's mm-hmm. some other... Have you looked at like random camera shops around town that might just have it in stock? They're all pretty terrible here. <laughs> it's not like the States where you get... Yeah, they're pretty bad here. There's one big one, which I won't name, and they're the one that I've pre-ordered from, but a lot of the other camera stores won't stock that kind of thing. It's a special order item, I guess. Um, and even like for my local camera store is an hour and 20 minute drive for me. So there's nothing really local I can drive to. So yeah, but it'll come eventually. Yeah. Well, th- that's kind of the perfect camera really. Cause it has that beautiful a7s sensor, but you've got all the video things you need, like ND and XLR and all that. So mm-hmm. I think it'll serve you well. I've heard that the menu layout and stuff like that isn't as nice as the A7S, it's ironically. Horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah. But yeah. you, when I, I had a loaner from Sony for a while and uh, I played around with it, you can get used to it. It's got sure. so many custom buttons on it that I just, you really don't yeah. need to go into the menus once it's set up. So. It's, I'm using the yeah. the C70 these days, and uh, the menu on that also like it's it's pretty straightforward, but I wouldn't say it's mm-hmm. great either. So, um, for some reason, they I love the look like, of that camera. You like it, right? I like it. Yeah i I was kind of like forced to get it in a way because um, I'm currently the reason that I moved to Nashville is because I did get a full time job now. Um, so Congrats. I'm working with a client who thanks. Uh, it's not as like flashy and sexy as Indie Mogul, but it pays the bills and it allows <laughs> us it. to live in a, a better place for my family. So um, anyways, they're all Canon everything. The the company I'm working for, the production company I'm working for now, 
their canon all the way through and they hired me to be the main video shooter and they're photographers and they shoot everything canon so they're like get the best canon video camera that you can get and it was actually a toss-up between the r5 and the c70 for me but i'm doing so many long takes and i i really wanted to have indie and all that kind of stuff that i was like you need it, the yeah. c70 makes way more sense for me so mm-hmm. i got the booster on it um i've got the you know i'm using the 16 to 35 2.8 um version 3 on it and then i just picked up polar pro sent me the new uh, mist filter for the map box so I, I got the whole thing and then i got i just got That's my it. easy rig this week so i've nice. got a uh the mini max the easy rig mini max so just that that setup the road wireless go twos do you have those have you played with those i do i just used it for the first time this week Dude. what a fantastic piece of equipment it really is so good I, yeah. Did you do a review on it or just kind of playing around with it or what? Just playing around with it. I, I actually shot two things with it this week. It's just the convenience. So I did two different real estate things. And one of them, I needed to have my voice in it as well as him. So we had one receiver on each. And then the other one, it was just a, a narrated walkthrough of a home. And it's just flawless, completely flawless. Yeah. It's one of the most important pieces of tech, in my opinion. I, I said this on the Dietschy podcast about how it's mm-hmm. like, Maybe one of the best products in the last couple of years. It's so simple. It's stuff like that that can just change the industry as a whole because the first version did change the industry as a whole because so many copycats came out after it. But this one is such a, a great refinement of it with the more improved range, the dual aspect of it that you can have two of them, and the recording mm-hmm. on it. It's just so amazing. I, I actually bought yet. I actually bought two of them now. I have two so that when I do a full work day, I'd never have to worry about the battery dying. I'll just switch to the second unit. Um, right. Because that's the only thing that kind of sucks is there's no, yeah, it's not you can't change the yeah. battery out. So, um, and I'm doing like long eight to 10 hour shoot days with the client I'm working mm. for. So it might die halfway through the day. So I wanted to have a backup pair just in case. But um, I yeah, have, I, I have thought about that and I, I kind of thought, the what i'll do is have a like a portable usb charger because i'll probably only be using yeah. one receiver so that's yeah i did think about that like what do you get out of the battery life on it if you're using it non-stop um they rated i think around eight hours or so so it, okay i, so I think eight good. hours is pretty good and you can also change in the settings you can change the there's like a lcd display on the receiver mm-hmm. and you can make the brightness like dim after like two or three seconds to save even more battery. So I have it set okay. to that so that it's not burning the the battery as fast. But right. I just, you know, when you're doing professional shoots, you got to have a fail safe or, or something. Um, so I, I definitely... That's always why I strayed away from wireless before, is especially for weddings. Like to, I always just use the, um, what was it? The Tascam, the Tascam. The DR10L. Yep. Yeah. I've used that for well, years that's... and it's flawless. That's but what's great about this new set, too. though, is now you have you mm-hmm. have wireless and a recorder built in, so you right. can record it as a backup. Uh, but it's so great when you have it in camera; you don't have to sync anything. It's just there, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, one of the most kind of a boring product, but a product that I think everybody needs. Like it's literally it's so small you can throw it in your bag. It's kind of the perfect. It's it's great. I love it. Even the. Um... 
the dead cat on the top for the mic there. They screw in now, right? And it's before they just put <laughs> yeah. off. They're a bit of a pain. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really refined it. I've never it used that. <clears throat> I find the audio quality to be pretty terrible on the mics mm-hmm. built in. It's a nice fail safe if you have to, but um, use I still lapel use lapel a I still it. use a lapel mic. Yeah, same. Yeah. But um, okay, so you're a Sony shooter. Um, mm-hmm. You got the A7S and the FX3. Why did you choose the FX3? It's it's basically an, another A7S3. What was what was your reasoning to get that camera? It is and it isn't. There's uh yeah. there's a, quite a few little things in it. Yeah. What so, do you like about it? Uh, so I'm shooting on it right now. Uh, tally light is a big thing. Big thing okay. for me, tally lights. Like there's tally lights yeah. all over it. Has the record button right on the front. So for shooting a lot of stuff like this, if the people are watching on YouTube channel, you can just literally yeah. push what is it custom button six and that's a record button on the front uh smaller so i do a lot of gimbal work unfortunately okay. i hate gimbals but i do a lot of gimbal work <laughs> and um it's like because the evf's just been chopped off the top so the the center of gravity is a little bit lower so it's much easier to balance so you can put a heavier lens on it uh-huh what else is there a bunch of little things really like i haven't really played around with the uh the XLR you don't really need a cage for handle. it anymore in a way it's got uh, so many threads yeah, you- on it there is, but the threads are kind of silly in that okay. the the places where there's like one on the side, really you, you need two threads so it doesn't move around if it loosens off. But the idea is there, and I'm sure Small are going to come out with something that can make them a little bit better. But sure. overall, I think it's a, it's a better video camera than the A7S three is. So if you could go back in time and not order, the, if they both came out, here's the thing that's annoying. They should have both came out at the same time. They should have, yeah. Obviously, they didn't. If fast, you know, rewind to when you ordered your A7S three. If this existed, would you have bought this instead, or do you like having the EVF for photography? So now I'm just spoiling the end of the video that comes out next week. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so, this, this uh, podcast will go live next week, so this is a promotion. Okay. For that video. <laughs> Wait, the podcast comes out on Tuesdays, right? My video will be out on Tuesday, so there we go. There you go. Perfect. Um, they go hand I summed hand up together. into three scenarios. I said, if you have an A7S III and you need one... Sorry, if you need uh, a camera for both photo and video, get an A7S III. If you need a camera for just video, get an FX3. If you already have an A7S III and you need a B camera, get an FX3. That's how I can sum <laughs> up into <laughs> I like that. three different sentences. The, the, yeah. if, if you don't, also, if you don't own the XLR module already and you're thinking about mm-hmm. buying it and you need a B camera, then yes, get the FX3 because the the XLR module is actually cheaper than buying the A7S3 with the XLR module. So it is, yeah, uh, um, yeah. It's it's interesting. Uh, Armando Fiera, like we're trying to get him on the show next. Hopefully, um, he's, he's raving like, about it recently. He's raving about that thing, man. Like yeah. hardcore. Um, mm-hmm. so i think just because it's, cool. it's a lot smaller as well and the like the design of it it's literally the same finish and color as the uh fx6 so they really are trying to just repackage the a7s3 but you're right it should have come out at the same time people should have had the option of buying both because they do the same things yeah but it's okay this happens all the it time is. and all sorts of i mean I, apple just announced a purple iphone 12 uh you know, know six months after the the original release so it happens <laughs> it does happen all the time and by the time the new fx6 or the fx6 comes there'll be a new camera yeah. and like it's a vicious cycle so, there's always something new i don't know cinema cameras do seem to last a little longer um and they hold their value to, too 
and they hold their value yeah mm-hmm. that's the thing canon uh canon especially holds its value really well um like even the like the c300 mark ii you know that camera is mm-hmm. already like probably seven years old now like you know those are still like three grand you know to buy it um three or four yeah. grand so obviously it's not 15 grand when you <laughs> so i yeah. guess it does lose quite a bit but still the, i mean it's not the like usr worthless i had that mm-hmm. last year and i loved that camera i loved it. i got it on like a crazy sale at christmas time and um yeah i loved it and i ended up selling because i just didn't need it with the a7s3 at the same time but yeah. what i sold it for it's now like four or five hundred dollars more it's like that thing's gone up in price used really the longer it gets yeah strange interesting at least here there, in canada anyway. certain... <laughs> yeah maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the R is mm. pretty good. I, I, the mic jack was in the wrong spot. That always annoyed me. Yeah. That it, like, it was in the way of the flip screen. And that's obviously true. the whole 1080 4K issue was super annoying. Yep. But um, the ridiculous crap. You know, but... Yeah. It was one of those cameras that got love after it came out. A long time after it came out. Yeah, true. The 1080 on mm. it's not bad. It really isn't. But I mean... It's essentially the same as a 5D4, which came out yeah. forever ago. So, <laughs> right. Um, Mr. Beast shoots 100% on the R. I've noticed that. Um, Does everybody, he? all of his video guys are shooting on the R, the original in 1080. And I've heard an interview with him talking about the gear. And he's like, we could afford to shoot on 4K cameras, but we choose to shoot 1080 like on older equipment so that it looks kind of crappy on purpose. To have a, a bit of a like relatable YouTuber vibe to it, and uh, right. I think that's an interesting take. Obviously, for our niche, uh, the quality of it matters a little bit more. But um, mm-hmm. it is kind of funny that like like PewDiePie has always gotten ripped for having crappy video quality, and after hearing Mr. B say that, I think it's probably completely intentional. You know? Yeah. So. And he knows what he's doing. So whatever he does anyway is going to do well. So 100%. He can do whatever he wants and it'll do well. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're married. Does your wife also shoot with you? Is she a photographer or a video person? Or um, In honesty, no, she's not. But for, <laughs> but for weddings, we... Yeah, she comes with me. So when we started doing weddings five, four or five years ago... Uh, we wanted to do a. We wanted to have a business together, doing something, and it made sense because she's great with like the admin side of things, the emails, the phone calls, and we just find having, uh, Heck yeah, like having a, a female <laughs> for the bride. Yeah, I think they're just great at that stuff, or we're not. Uh, I think having a a female for the brides to connect with makes it a lot easier and us much more accessible for people to talk to and to book. So 100%. when she comes on the wedding day, she will shoot. Like I've taught her how to use the camera. She knows what looks good now. She knows how to do all the right settings. So she can do everything. She just doesn't, she doesn't enjoy shooting it. She's much mm. more of a, a director on the day, I should say. And she does really, really well with that. And I am kind of a candid out the way shooter. But yeah, we love weddings together because we just kind of treat it like a date. We just get to go hang out for a day. It's the most time we, it's the most time we get to spend together. Free beer. We've got two kids. So yeah, exactly. Have a free beer free meal sit down that's always in the contract and yeah I, that's why i like weddings. Yeah. it's a date for me and my wife two kids uh what are your ages of the kids so we have um harper 
she was two in uh, the end of last year, and then Noah it was one in February. So uh, okay. they're very close together. They're like fourteen months apart. Yeah, so that's incredibly the exact close. Same uh, for us. I've got a one oh, year yeah? old, and a, a, well, one year old, and a, one and a half, and a three and a half year old. So pretty it's not much the exact same. same yeah. But so you've uh, got a, a madhouse too. Yeah, two boys for us. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a very very busy life right now. That's the easiest way to put it. Yeah, sure you totally. The same. When COVID hit, the date night idea kind of went away completely, and only yes. just now are we starting to actually have some time to go out. And now that we live here near my parents, my parents only live fifteen minutes from our house here. Right. Um, they're coming over about once a week, and that that's been phenomenal to like. But I told Laura today actually, I was like. Just wait. One day they'll be old enough to drop them off at the grandparents' house, and we could actually go on vacation for like a week or like a weekend somewhere. Like I can't. When we were when we were like single, not single, but like when we were newlyweds for those three years mm-hmm. with no kids, we took that for granted. We could have just left every weekend and done something if we wanted to, and we didn't. It's it's so crazy. We literally say the same thing all the time that like we had no idea. We look back now and like what did we do with our time? Yeah. Really? What did we do all the time? And now we Hang look out at with friends, friends that don't have, well, yeah. And now we look at friends that don't have kids and they're just they're like, what do you like? You just don't yeah. do anything. So well, yeah, I, it's, it's, I have to like be careful because my judgment filter will like hit if somebody with no kids and maybe a dude who has like a, a, a girlfriend maybe, but like they're not married. And like, oh, I just got no time. I'm like, dude, shut up, bro. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you have no, no idea, time. Um, we always joke with Emilio on the podcast because Deceif and I both have kids and uh, yeah. Emilio doesn't. And he's like, there's times when we're texting and it's like, all right, I'm going to bed. And uh, Emilio's like, how are you going to bed? I'm eight hours ahead of you and I'm still up. And I'm like, well, I got to get up at 530 tomorrow to <laughs> deal with the kids. <laughs> You're living yeah. the bachelor life. Also, there's just like a, a physical exhaustion with being a parent that mm-hmm. like once you're done working for, I don't know how your workflow is, but for me, I try to stop at six o'clock. And so Same. at six o'clock, you know, give or take a couple of minutes, I go downstairs and I'm like, now I'm not working. And then from mm-hmm. six to eight, I just run them down and read books and play games and whatever. Um, <clears throat> as soon as they go to bed, like, that sh- that's supposed to be time for me and my wife to like connect, but we usually just watch TV or just lay in bed because we're just so tired. <laughs> it's the same. It's, it's the same. So exhausting. I, I will say though that the the time that you get with the kids there, like kind of when you stop working, is really good as like a like I find for me when I'm working, my mind is constantly thinking like, okay, well I've got to do this this week. This has got to be done by next week. There's that brand deal for that week. So I really do like being able to just focus on the kids and it just disconnects you from this whole world that we kind of deal with it puts things into perspective too because that's like if i lost my job tomorrow and i had to you know do something else like it doesn't even matter you know it's just those little moments Mm -hmm. with the kids are so special i don't want to take that for granted because like i'm I'm seeing myself like "Ah, I, i could work a little more like maybe i could squeeze an extra hour in here or there on my personal projects or whatever, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can do that in five years when they're in school, you know, like that's it. I don't, I don't want to lose these cute little toddler moments that we're having now, Mm -hmm. you know? So 
before they start getting their own opinions and talking back to you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We've we've got one sweet one and then we've got one crazy one. So Ryan is like just this really sweet, thoughtful, creative, you know, he does, he does like thousand piece jigsaw puzzles now. It's insane. We do it together, but he'll, he'll like find the pieces and put them together. Like the 12 piece toddler versions are like he's not interested in that he wants to do like the 100 300 and like thousand piece jigsaws so he's really into puzzles he's into drawing and then caleb just like breaks everything that ryan builds and runs around the house and screams nonstop. he's like very active so we've got mm-hmm. kind of one of each That's so the same uh, for us. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it why you, is it, it like, it's you like a, a practical joke it's a practical yeah. joke on parents. There's always one of each because the first one is one. like, "Oh, this is easy." Yeah, <laughs> second so true. one. So, so you had know. the easy one first, and then the difficult one after. I've heard it the other way around too. I mean, there's really okay. no like formula, but for us, mm-hmm. the easy one was first, and then. Same. But we thought it was hard, you know, because it was the first. But yeah. once we got the second, we were like, "Oh no, no, no! We we actually had it easy with the it first." It was easy, one. yeah. <laughs> So what are some some mistakes that you've made along the way as a freelancer, as as a creative and running a business, but also balancing mm-hmm. being an artist? What are some of the mistakes and some of the things you've learned along the way mm. that you could share? There's lots of people like you that listen to this show. Hmm. Mistakes. If I can talk about YouTube, I sure. would say don't don't say yes to everything. Mm. kind of stick with your stick with your guts when you start getting i say attention maybe from brands you're going to get offered a lot of things you just think oh it's free i'll take it and then you get it and you realize why did i say yes to this and then you realize you have to make a video about it so kind of (laughs) don't be afraid to send it back though yeah i don't know about you but i've also like i've i've said yes received a product i see it it sucks and then and then it's okay to be blunt and be like, I'm Absolutely. not interested in reviewing this. Can I send it back to you? Here's yeah. a secret tip. They usually say, no, you can I keep it. Know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. No, anyways, that's yeah. a great tip and something that's overlooked. I think a lot of people, when they're first starting out, just say yes to everything. So absolutely. Because the other thing that will happen is as well, is you'll end up just becoming a, you probably hear all the time that people get kind of cornered into their niche. If you just end up, saying yes to all these products you have to review so many products and now you become a product review channel and maybe you don't want to and then it's harder to break that niche so just the try and think of the reasons that you started the channel and then always circle back to that and try and stay down that route uh, and i say that because i went down the way of saying yes to everything and started taking all the products and starting doing reviews and getting niche, niched in and now you've got to circle back out of it but that's what i'd say in terms of um in terms of YouTube and then with freelance and commercial stuff, don't be scared to send product uh, edits away for editing. The editing is what takes the longest time. That's true. Like, yeah. If you need to send away edits for weddings, just send them away. As long as you send them versions of what you've already done, chances are they're going to be able to copy it. Sometimes they even do it better than what you do it and yeah, just put a cost on your time. And that's something so you mean we, you're saying we don't do all the time, but you're hiring yeah, it out. You, you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, especially when you have kids and you want to cherish that time, like mm-hmm. for the few hundred dollars it costs to edit it, it's just worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. You might make a mm-hmm. little less. I think that's the the thing that people feels like, ah, you know, it, my time 
it'll just take me no time to do it and mm-hmm. i'm i'm saving five hundred dollars or whatever but um it may end up not taking a little bit of time and also the the exhaustion factor of, of being in an edit for three days straight you know it yeah can kind of burn you out creatively so maybe if you Insane. hired it out you could get more work and then just keep hiring out edits so mm-hmm. um and that's what i'm doing here with the golden hour podcast connor is now editing these so once this interview is done with you and i I'm, I'm done i'm just gonna send the files over you know which is just the best because like you're a creative person as well like you're not like some people excel at creating the products or creating videos but they're just not great at editing them and for me, that's that's one of the big things that I find I'm not great at. And I don't enjoy as much as filming. So, do you um, edit and the then YouTube else... videos though? Sorry, do you edit your YouTube videos though? I I do I do. Um, have you found somebody to thought... do that or? Yeah. No, because I've just I've started changing up the way that I edit them now in in terms of the style and the format. I'm trying to make them more engaging. I guess is the way to to say it. So I know it's sure. more of like the YouTube style. So I think long-term I am going to get an editor. I want someone just to cut the A-roll in the same format and then I can just do the finishing touches sure. with the B-roll and whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that can help you hugely. Yeah, totally. Just, and then the th- uh, third point, I think I cut you mm-hmm. off again, sorry. And that's okay. So I was going to say I used to work in um, in management. One of the things that they, like when I worked outside of kind of this, one of the things you learn quickly is you need to learn to delegate things. So it just, you take from that and then you use that towards this. But what I was going to say is as well, is don't think that if you want to do YouTube, you want to do freelance stuff, stick it out for the longest time you can with your regular job. Because you can really, like, I'm not saying like a year, I did it for three years until I finally quit. So you can actually see, okay, this is consistently going up in terms of money. This is consistent work. Like, because if you quit, you can't go back. That's a good point. And maybe the the hiring out your edit tip is a great tip there. Because if you have a full-time job and you're doing freelance on the side, whether it's YouTube or something else, you may you may have yeah, you may have enough money. It's like there's two ways you could go about it. It's like, oh cool, I'm making more mm-hmm. money. That means I'm gonna spend more money, or you could be smart yeah, about it true. and and use that extra money as bonus and and almost an investment in building yourself an out for when mm-hmm. that moment happens. So mm-hmm. let's say you do a bunch of weddings and and uh, commercial projects on the side while also having a full time job. Well, all the money you're making on those extra freelance projects could go into editing. Uh, maybe not That's even true. all of it. So you, you probably could still keep some of it. So um, if you just budget that in while you're doing this and you have three or four editors that you're constantly working with, you could still have your nine to five, you know, while you're at the office or while you're working for production company or whatever it is that you're doing, someone Mm -hmm. else is building your business for you while they're, while you're there benefiting from in America, benefiting from, you know, health insurance and a reliable paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone else is building your, your freelance business so that you have an out, you know, that's a smart, uh, a very smart point to make there for sure. Yeah. And for me, it was, I kind of did it that way as well. Cause it was terrifying to jump away from a full-time job. Like I've never had a, not had a full-time job in my life. So for me, mm-hmm. it was the first time to do it. And I think that's why I did it that way. But now looking back, I think I did it for me the right way. That's great. And 
Mm-hmm. I, it's good to hear that for me because I've never had a full-time job until Indie Mogul. So right. uh, hearing you say that makes sense now, but I had no concept of it because I've been self-employed since I was 14. And my dad is also self-employed. So my model for what like a father and a husband is, is like owning your own business and being creative and whatever. He's a, a musician, a producer. Right. And so, uh, but now that I have kids and, you know, my wife is able to stay home and she doesn't have to work. I provide enough mm-hmm. money for both of us and having this full-time job allows us to have great health care and all this and that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of practical, boring adult decisions to make sometimes, but um there is but that's life lord willing we live long healthy lives um and if that's the case these two or three years of building something while you have a full-time job it's not going to matter in the long run when you're talking 30 years down the road you know so So. so true i think a lot of people just tend to focus on the short term and you need to look at it as more of a long-term approach absolutely yeah. What are some uh, who are some creators that you watch that you really are inspired by? And it may Ooh. be filmmakers or or not. Like are there any YouTubers or uh directors that really inspire you in your work? So, in all honesty, about 4 months ago, I really stopped watching a lot of YouTube. I found that I was just kind of comparing myself to everyone else, watching videos is very demotivating, so I I'll still occasionally watch... The only people I'll watch as soon as they post a video is like Potato Jet because he's incredible... Actually, more of his vlog channel because he's just incredibly entertaining (laughs) as a guy. Uh, And then um, Josh Yo. Those are like the only guys I'll watch consistently. Uh And then I'll now kind of watch more things outside of our niche on YouTube that just like entertainment stuff. Uh, I really enjoy watching people go on like backpacking and camping starter trips uh, there's yeah. a guy in Canada that does out in Edmonton I really enjoy uh, called Camping with Steve. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I try and focus on less. I'm My channel is, when I log into YouTube, you still see like it's just littered with the videos there. I, I don't think I'll ever be able to break out of that al- algorithm of YouTube feeding me what it thinks I want. But I try <laughs> not to watch it now. I just try and focus on things outside of our niche if I'm honest. Um, And then movies, we actually have this conversation the other day. I I haven't really been watching any movies or TV recently. I don't know why. I just find, yeah, I, the last movie I watched at the theaters was Tenant. Uh, Uh But that was last year when the theaters were open for a very small amount of time. Yeah. And the last TV show that I watched, actually, I think we were going back and forth on Twitter, uh, Drive to Survive, the F1 one. That was the last thing I watched. Yeah. Are you into you're into that, aren't you? Like I wasn't into F1 uh, and now I am again. Like years and years ago I was. My dad was into it, my brother was into it and I just fell out of being into it and now I'm yeah, it's fascinating to me again. It's all What's changed. The, yeah, it's the so for people who aren't familiar, there's a documentary on Netflix called Drive hmm. to Survive. Drive to Survive. And for, yeah. Formula 1 and Netflix have like collaborated on this together. So the actual like sport you know, company F1, they've given Netflix full, like 100% access to all the mm-hmm. drivers. Um, I, I assume they're making the, the coaches and the, the drivers sit in, do these interviews. Um, it's really great. The, the editing, the it storytelling, is. the drama, but there seems to be a bit of a, 
I didn't realize this. Like I w- saw it for the first time. I had no interest in F1. Say. And then I started sharing like, oh, this show's great. And then I started getting yeah. lit up by all these like F1 fans about how stupid it is and how dumb the show is. Now it's ruined F1. But like, Apparently I've never even... it's cons- very... They... I, like they do in the any... hardcore fans that yeah, are like mad about any, it? Yeah, like any of the storylines are just... They kind of make their own storylines in the edit from what it sounds like. Which is really any TV show or movie. Uh, they can edit it however they want. Yeah. But but it's just from a fan perspective who wasn't into someone who wasn't into it before, it's it's a really good way to get into it because the way that they show it is just so good, so entertaining. And I think there's three seasons, right? And you don't even need to watch them in order because each season is in its own is like a, a story yeah. that's different to the other seasons. Although I, I did watch them in order. I went ahead and forced myself like oh, you okay, did? I'm gonna start at the beginning. Yeah, I went in order. And okay. it was good because you get to see different uh drivers, you know, their struggle with that company. You know, for example, Daniel Ricardo. Like yeah. within within like three seasons, he's like moved to three completely different cars and, and different mm-hmm. companies. I think he's is he with McLaren now? I think. I don't know. I think so, yeah. Um, which is bizarre. And like I got to see his his struggle with Red Bull and Max Verstappen and and Ricardo's kind of battle with each other, and like now that he's even with McLaren, it's kind of like, oh, dude, you should have stayed with Red Bull. <laughs> like, yeah. what were you thinking? Yeah, um, they're doing so well. Yeah, their cars are so good. Anyways, I like I'm now going. I'm a subscriber to the the actual F1 subscription. Same. Same. I'm watching it live now. I think there's a race to, uh, on Sunday, so I'm excited mm-hmm. about that. I follow all these drivers on Twitter now, and I my feed is like mixed in with F1 stuff and and uh, camera stuff. How would any fan it, be mad at me for becoming a fan of F1 from the show? Like I don't get yeah. it. It's just it's whatever. true. I think it's just a bunch of know. macho a, guys that are like, oh, the drama's you know contrived and whatever and sure maybe it is but that's also just like you said that's just tv like all reality tv is fake you know (laughs) yeah it's just it's edited to create whatever storyline they want to create but i don't know i think just the way they must have brought so many fans to f1 now maybe they don't like that maybe it's harder to get tickets like i have no idea um yeah but yeah yeah it's it's a good point i don't know what why someone would hate that maybe because it's mainstream now and before it wasn't really that mainstream at least in America, like F1 has never been that big of a thing no. in, in the US, but it seems like it it's NASCAR. a very international like sport. Um, it was just very, like soccer. <laughs> yeah, it, very similar to soccer, football, <laughs> football, Dave. Very similar to that when uh, I was living in England. F1 was huge compared to what it is here, but I think that's mm-hmm. because f1 i think originated in the uk i want to say and a lot of the old race courses are there and you can go and visit them and um there's a ton of races in europe there's a lot more like in dubai now and everything like that but yeah ferrari mclaren you know i think alfa romeo's now made a comeback like these are all european you know companies so Mm -hmm. um i remember years ago there was only ever like one grand prix in america or two sorry it's like the canadian one and then yeah indianapolis i think they were at Mm -hmm. they just opened a miami one i saw that i I saw that yeah 
I have the I have the F1 app and it alerts me of F1 news. So <laughs> I'll oh, be I like editing turned off the notifications. My, okay, I turned it on. I want them. I want the notifications. Yeah. So I'll be editing and it's like, "Up, oh, Miami is a new course. Do a a 3D drive through." I'm like, "Oh, heck yeah." And I looked at it and I'm like, "Oh, sweet. I don't know what I'm looking at, but it's great." Yeah. I think this this year is fascinating more so than ever because in the past F1 has had like unlimited budget basically like mm-hmm. if you can afford it you can do it and so mercedes yeah. spent i think like 400 million dollars or more on their car and now there's a limit like you can't spend more than 140,000 or 150,000 or not 1000 150 million which is yeah. still a ton of money but um, insane amount but that caps you know the people at the top who were spending 400 million now they're being forced to like you know, lower their, just get more efficient with things. And then that right. allows the the teams with less money who can only afford 150. That's their high end anyways. Like now it puts them at the same level. It's all about that's engineering it. and skill, which that's, I, I like that. That's I'd great. Say that's, yeah. Agreed. It's more, it's more to bring the teams, I think closer together in terms of there's not like three teams that are just winning the constructors championship all the time. It's, okay, now maybe this team could win that have never won before. So mm. that's the, f- I find over the years, like I haven't been following it nearly as much as I used to, but um, but now I obviously am again. But I remember years ago, they kept making changes to always try and make it more or bring everyone closer together. So it seems like just more of a severe way to do that. Absolutely. Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. is incredible. Like he, he is, is so good. I think... It seems like Verstappen from Red Bull is it may be the next best. Um, mm-hmm. He's also very good. But um, watching Lewis Hamilton drive, like obviously his teammate has the same car as him, and he still beats his yeah. teammate. So like he's a better driver. Like he just is. It's just so pure skill. Yeah, it's incredible to watch him, especially mm-hmm. in the rain, and uh, he's able to maneuver. And I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, People don't yeah. understand what kind of athletes they are as well like you think oh it's just a race car driver like they just go home and what do you eat whatever they want and they don't work out but they are like <laughs> no, some that's of the most <laughs> yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> just drinking beer straight after um <laughs> yeah. they're some of the most like incredible athletes in the world like their mm-hmm. cardio and like if you watch any of the behind the scenes of what they do it's ridiculous so yeah, there's not a there's, I, there's not a single fat f1 driver i haven't seen any of them so no um, and they're all pretty short as well. They're like, um, really? I didn't yeah, know if you look at them, a lot of them are quite short. There is a few taller guys, but a lot Max, of them are quite uh, short. Max Verstappen seems pretty tall to me. He's but. tall, yeah. I think it's maybe like the weight. Like the weight probably helps because obviously the yeah. light of the car. So just an observation I made at least. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, you're right. The lighter you mm-hmm. are, the lighter the car, the faster it goes. So yeah, that exactly. makes sense. You better be yeah. a really talented, tall driver if we're going to put you yeah. in that seat. <laughs> exactly. Or super, super skinny. Yeah. it's uh, yeah. We're probably talking more about F1 than uh, anybody listening who has no interest cares. But, but yeah. I'm fascinated by it because it's, it's actually a sport that really blends technology with the, mm-hmm. with the athlete. You, there's not many sports like that and i think as a nerd i am fascinated by the machine like the fact that the cars are so well engineered and have so many tricky little things that they do um yeah that fascinates me and then obviously the skill of the driver 
uh, like I said, Lewis Hamilton, when you watch him just overtake people, it's unbelievable how good he is. Um, yeah. And then other, other guys so too. And people are young too. Like some of these drivers are like 21, you know, getting in there. So that's kind of the new trend I, now. They're hiring all these young drivers. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Verstappen. I think he was 17 when he started, I want to say. Jesus, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, can you imagine being 17 and driving a car like that? Like, can you imagine being a parent letting your kid do that? It's such yeah. a deadly sport. Well, they all start. Uh, most of those guys, like Lewis Hamilton, started karting when he was super young, like five years old. Yeah. So, because I remember that he's got his dad had like a great story that his dad used to work on the railroad, and he would just work so hard. And then the weekends they'd go and spend like all the money that they earned to go karting because that's that's your your progression into to racing as you start as a yeah. kid karting so yeah i guess from a young age yeah you that's what i've heard at ridiculous speeds if you're it's really a wealthy sport just like golf it is. like it's just it's yeah. so expensive to get into it so but mm-hmm. i'm like so into it now like i have the game on my xbox i downloaded the f1 uh 2019 uh it comes with game pass on xbox so i got yeah. that i'm anticipating I'm, I'm anticipating uh, F1 2021, uh, which uh-huh. should be coming out in July. So, um, yeah, I'm even considering getting like a a, a thing, uh, the whole like setup, a steering wheel, the whole st- the whole setup. I've watched videos. There's there's VR setups now where you can, you know, play in VR. So that way, as you're driving, you literally can see left and right, and it, it is really immersive. That's crazy. So, wow. um. I but the problem with those games versus like Mario Kart is that all the physics and everything is extremely accurate. That's the whole point. It's yeah. like a simulation, so it's kind of almost not as fun as Mario Kart, where it's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of self-driving features, and and obviously, uh, you can throw a banana peel in Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. that's true. That's very true. You but, knock uh, someone off the road. You knock your car off the road in F1, and that's your end of the race. <laughs> like you're done. Are you are you a Final Cut or Premiere guy? Final Cup used to be Premiere. Yes, I couldn't deal with the couldn't deal with the. Uh, I was a little worried because I know you're time. an Adobe person, uh, at least with Lightroom and Photoshop, right? But mm-hmm. like, um, Final Cut is the way to go. What what made you switch? Ah, yep. uh, a lot of crashes was the biggest thing, <laughs> and I tried to swap to Final Cut twice before, and I just couldn't get on with the magnetic timeline. And then there was one yeah. time I just said, "Right, that's it. I'm just going to edit this whole video in there." And it took longer, but I realized sure. it was once you get your head around the magnetic timeline, it just works so much more fluid. The export yeah. times are ridiculous as well, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just an easier piece of software to use. Once you get your it, head it, around it, it's just so much easier and yeah. fluid and works better. I heard, uh, I think it was a Final Cut engineer or something. They said that they designed it for that like first time user. If you yeah. have no concept of editing and you say, I would like to learn to edit, please, and you give them Final Cut, that intuitively it is actually easier to edit. The problem is people who grow up using other NLEs like Premiere or the original Final Cut or, God forbid, yeah. Avid. Uh, if I you learned on Avid, yeah. Oh, <laughs> really? Horrible pieces. Yeah. Media composer. Ugh. Yeah. It's still yeah. like the industry standard for some reason, but it's uh, it's very slow. Slowly dying, mm-hmm. too, probably. But Good. Um, <laughs> when, when you when you grow up learning those programs, it's hard to untrain yourself to learn the the newer you know magnetic timeline. Apparently, yeah. But 
Um, yeah, I, I switched day one back when it first came out. This was, I guess, 11 years ago now, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I've been using it ever since and, and love it as well. And I have a M1 Mac, which runs it really mm-hmm. beautifully. Can't wait for whatever's coming next on that. Do you have an M1 Mac as well? I have the M1 MacBook and uh, I use it for if I'm editing outside of like the studio space, if I'm editing on the road, and it's really convenient for that. Uh, recently, I've been using the iMac a little bit more and it's definitely slower. I just can't break away from having a desktop i don't know why yeah 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 just no totally i mean i have a yeah really beautiful 4k display i'm using the mac mini uh Mm -hmm. m1 and it's maxed out so yeah even though they're probably gonna have better computers coming out i'm very satisfied with this machine right now and um you know i may upgrade i'll i'll probably get the macbook pro 16 inch if that happens soon right but um but yeah just the mac minis i'm happy with it it just when the final cut you can throw anything at it and it will edit it without making proxies it's i know like the 4k 120 from the a7s3 just drop it in the timeline no issues good to go whereas it's if throw that on my imac it's you need proxies you got to wait for it to create those before it's done so for yeah. convenience it can't be beat definitely can't be beat i don't know if before the apple silicon world i don't know if you ever tried this but did you if you have an ipad you can it, it always worked that way like you could bring in anything in LumaFusion, and it always it seemed to work just so flawlessly really? um and i was yeah like uh so the apple silicon has always just been really optimized um and so i was always like ah oh, man if only this ipad had final cut on it well mm-hmm. now it now it's essentially that except it's better um yeah However, I still hope that Apple will put Final Cut on uh, the iPad hopefully this year. I'd love to see it. Especially because the new one it. has an M1 in it. So Yeah. That would... I genuinely... Like with the Magic Keyboard... I did a video about this the other day and I said in it, the Magic Keyboard with the iPad, like having the touch and the keyboard there, I think mm-hmm. that will be a quicker way to edit A-Roll than it will be. To, not for like finessing things, but for uh-huh. just a basic quick raw edit, I think you could probably do it quicker on an iPad. Just because you're... You're able to quickly slide through your timeline and zoom in, zoom out. You're not having to do like multiple. Yeah. So I would love to see that. Yeah. And again, talk about intuitive. Like if you're taking somebody fresh out of high school with no experience, hand Mm -hmm. them an iPad with final cut on it. It's going to be so intuitive. Um, It's way more intuitive than a mouse and a keyboard. Um, hundred percent. That's crazy. What are, if you could change one thing about YouTube, if you were the CEO and you could just like snap your fingers and change one thing about it, what would what would that be for you? As soon as I post a video, it actually goes to the people that subscribe to the channel. And not, <laughs> and not whether they YouTube thinks that they want it to be viewed or anything like that. Um, how are so you used to want, be? You just want a time machine then. Yeah, just go back like yeah, pretty much. six yeah. years. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it is odd that if you subscribe to somebody, the old thinking was this person decided to subscribe. So therefore, we're going to serve this video to all of their mm-hmm. subscribers. But now a subscribe is more of like I I kind of like this creator and yeah. you know, if I watch more than one video in a week, maybe that'll tell YouTube that I actually really like this creator, you know. <laughs> but it's true you've got you've got so many ghost subscribers is what they call it people who probably watch all your videos who aren't even subscribed 
and they're just finding your videos from the homepage on uh, yep. the browse features. It's so true. Someone said recently, it was like, you should ask for subscribers. And I never did. I didn't like, I don't like like that interruption in the video of asking, but I've started trying it and it genuinely makes a difference. <laughs> like you can watch, you have a video that does well now. It's like, oh, you get a couple of hundred subscribers from that. Whereas before well, in you that wouldn't. Case, if you're anything. watching right now, please hit subscribe. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. This podcast. Like button, but no, yeah, yeah. You can, did you, were you able to see the analytics and, and see that when you said it, it actually had an uptick? What do you mean? Like in terms of the video or like a point in the video where? Yeah. Like, were you able to see like when you started saying it an actual subscriber oh. growth? Oh yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like it was, there was a video I posted. I started doing it about four or five videos ago, something like that. And that video ended up doing quite well. And it was just a huge increase. Uh, and you, <laughs> I'd look back on when the, like the subscriber chart just did that. So yeah, it definitely works. Definitely. And it's <laughs> the reason someone said the reason is, is because people forget they watch to the end of the video or they see on the right, they see another one and they click it, but people forget that they watch you, but YouTube will continuously just serve your videos, even if you're not subscribed. So exactly. Who yeah, knows? If, if they, if they've already watched to the end, they're, you know, they like you, they like your content mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. they have already seen a couple of videos. And I know for me personally, as a consumer, that's happened to me before where I'll watch somebody, you know, maybe three or four times and then they have a subscriber call and I'm like, yeah, I'll give them a subscribe at this point. I'm already yeah. invested. Like I like this guy, you know? Yeah. So that's it. Right. And you can always unsubscribe. That's the thing. That's what I've started including there. It's not a contract. It's not a commitment. You can always unsubscribe. <laughs> I love how my friend Zach Mayfield, who he's the host of Kinetika now, he always says, uh, I have a camera camp coming out later in the year. If you want to be uh, included in the camera camp, make sure to hit subscribe. Like he's, he basically says like, there's a camera camp. And if you want to enter this camera camp that is kind of a fictional thing, uh, yeah. then the only way you can enter is if you subscribe, you know, or whatever, but it's smart. Give people a reason to do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyways, um, okay. So you would want to go back to like 2010 mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Just when, if you post a video that has like a nice looking thumbnail, people will click it. <laughs> yeah. Instead of it like a, like that look where you're out of focus in the background of a product. Like, you know what I mean? Now you have to, Yeah. even if you've got a good looking video and a, a beautiful still in that video, you, you can't use that as a thumbnail because no, no one's going to no. click it. No, unless Sorry. you're Casey Neistat or Emma Chamberlain oh, yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, I think that's, there's two different types of creators. There's people like like them who they're so personality driven that they're just, people just watch them. Be, for, like you, yeah. you mentioned Potato Jet. You watch his mm -hmm. vlogs. Like you probably would, if he posted a vlog today and it was a thumbnail of of him going like this with his thumb up, you'd probably click it. Like it doesn't, right? For sure. Like, Without a doubt, but that's a that's the difference in the type of content. Is like, yeah. if you're if you're a creator who's selling your video based on the idea, the title, and and the overall premise of the video, then your kind of your thumbnail kind of has to serve the premise and sell the premise. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's the so struggle true. that I think a lot of gear reviewers face. Is like, you kind of want to be able to do both if you're doing it full time. You know, but. uh I don't know. It's a constant battle. I don't know. Constant battle. It's a battle because like you can yeah. totally make 
a, a healthy living only reviewing gear every single day oh, easily, and being yeah. really good at it like you can make probably a lot of money <laughs> so mm-hmm. um the challenge comes when you are you doing it for money or are you doing it because exactly. you enjoy doing it and there's there's a fine balance between that so i know for me those two years when i was on kinetica i was enjoying it thoroughly um yeah because it was totally new and i i never had done it before and after i did it for two years i kind of was like okay i think i'm ready to move on that's why i moved to india mogul and that was mm-hmm. a whole new fun uh change and uh, a challenge and uh the reason I left was honestly because of my family. It wasn't anything to do personally. I feel like my job wasn't finished there. I would have loved to honestly have stayed another year, but it just, at least, but it just didn't work out. But, um, sometimes that happens. You got to do what's best for you. Right. Exactly. Do you have Mm -hmm. any uh, pets? (laughs) I have two dogs. I'm surprised you actually haven't had them yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a madhouse. I haven't heard of peep. Yeah, two no, dogs, the one, two children. Two dogs, two kids. Um, yeah, I got and a little a puggle and a wife. Okay. And, and a, a purebred 90-pound lab. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. And the one little dog's old, and I swear he's, like, partly deaf. So he hears, like, <laughs> like a little tiny, like, tap, and he's like, oh, that's the door. It just goes nuts. Yeah. So I've got... Uh, I, I, we had a dog, we had a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, beautiful breed. Uh, we had to give it away because, um, once we had our second kid, we just realized that like, it was just too much. So I commend you for having two dogs and children. We do have a cat. Um, I am a cat person. I'm not like Philip Bloom. I'm not like Philip Bloom. Uh, but I do like cat person. Yeah. He's full, full tilt. I like cats. Yeah. In fact, you know what? I I retract that statement. I'm not a cat person. Uh, I don't okay. like being. I don't like having that identity. I just yeah. I like, like crazy cats, cat okay? guy. Like, yeah, but if if he like if somebody took him, and they were more of a cat person, and they were willing to like give him better life, like it wouldn't even phase me. I wouldn't even think about it. Um, yeah, but he's cool. He's sitting below me. I have a really cool cat. He's like a dog in a way. Like I'll just kind of like do this and he'll come running. Um, We used to take him outside and we would go on a walk and he would follow us around um, on a walk. So, and like if he did something I didn't want him to do, I'd just say his name and like snap my fingers and he listens to me. So uh, really unusual for a cat. So my cat is pretty chill, pretty cool. uh, And he's literally just sitting below the the camera right now, just hanging out. So um, he's cool. But I, wish I don't my think dogs all cats do are like that. My, my dogs are more like cats <laughs> in that they don't listen to you. They don't do what you want to say. Yeah. yeah. Are you a video game guy at all? Do you play play games at all? I you wish you could, right? You don't have the time. Yes. I wish I I wish I could. I I bought a. I used to play video games a ton when I was younger. Um, Final Fantasy VII, I think, is what really got me into video nice. games years and years ago, and then I bought a playstation 4 last year i'm like right we're gonna play the new version of final fantasy 7 i'm gonna play the last of us 2 and i had it for like two weeks and i realized i I don't have the time and even when i do have the time (laughs) i feel like i shouldn't be doing this so i would love to say i am and i had the time to do it but i just don't maybe when i'm older (laughs) i'll get back into it but are you dave like obviously f1 uh 
Not really. No, I'm very no? casual. I, I play, yeah. like I said, the I just got the F1 game. I probably played it like three or four times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really into it. I've, I've even tried, because now I'm subscribed to Apple One, um, which okay. includes Apple Arcade. I've downloaded right. a couple of games on there, and there's some that are pretty good. Um, there's one game in particular that's a ton of fun. If you have friends that have Apple Arcade, it's called Song Pop Party. And it's like a okay. multiplayer. It's it's tied into because it's an Apple arcade game. It's tied into Apple Music, so okay. they'll play like three or four seconds of a song, and then they give you a multiple choice, and you have to pick like either which artist oh, it is okay. or what the name of the song is. You can select different yeah. decades, um, and if other people on their phone have Apple Arcade, you can play either completely online with each other, or I've done it with my my family like in the same room together we all play on our devices okay. and it's kind of it's actually yeah. kind of fun but uh that's the only game that i've really enjoyed it's like but, um like when like words with friends games. was a big fad yeah yeah yeah, I know you mean. yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's kind of like that interesting the only games i play on my phone and I, I challenged myself at the beginning of the year to learn a new skill. And I don't know why. It just came up in conversation. I wanted to learn chess. So the beginning of the year, I started learning chess. Okay. So that's all I play on my phone right now. And uh, okay. it's fascinating it? the way Have it makes you, been... you think. I'm getting better. Been, and that's the key. Uh, playing it? Okay. That's yeah, cool. I play a lot I like online. I, my, my determining factor of how I got better is I played my father-in-law probably about a month after I... I'd start learning and I lost horribly, horribly. And I played him again last uh-huh. month and I beat him. So that must mean oh, I'm getting better. So, yeah. Can you They're share just the, the whole... chess game that you play, the actual app that you use? What's the name of it? Chess.com. Just chess. It's literally the name of the app. It's chess.com. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And there's like, so there's a subscription in there, obviously. And unfortunately, I am now a, a premium member of a chess.com. So you get like lessons <laughs> and they teach you how to play, but. I find it really hard to learn things nice. as I'm like as I'm growing up. So that was something I wanted to try, and it's fun. Yeah, chess.com. There it is. There you go. Chess.com. That's it. Very it's cool. such a hard <laughs> thing to learn if you've never if you've never played chess before. Like, there's so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably boring I, people talking about chess. No, there's. We've talked about F1. We've talked about <laughs> a true. lot of things. This is That's this true. is the podcast, man. This is it. We just That's chat. It. We just chat about stuff. Um. What are some of the, just to kind of close this out, what are some of the like things right now that you're kind of debating or, or things that you're kind of struggling with, with gear, with, with YouTube? Is there any like current, I mean, it might be video ideas that you have, honestly, so mm-hmm. I don't want to give away any concepts that you have. But um, like I said earlier in this podcast, I loved the video that you did where you shared how to essentially up the 12 megapixel resolution of the A7S to make it essentially mm-hmm. like a 48 megapixel. Like that's a really cool little tutorial or a tip. hack or, or tip yeah. or thing. Like, is there anything like that that's that you found that you're currently like kind of into? I kind of shared for me, it's the Rode Wireless Go. Like I've been telling everybody yeah. like, you should buy one of these because these are great. Like, is there anything right now, a piece of gear or something that you're kind of obsessed with hmm. or at least I'm interested in with. enough to make a, a video about? Like some sort of premise or, or idea or concept. I just received a cinema lens from Mikey, one of those Chinese brands, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called. And uh, I'm fascinated by that. So I, that's something I'm kind of playing around with now. And 
toying around with how I can turn it into a video without making it a review. Yeah. Just, but that brings me to my next point of, of a challenge that I have is I'm at that point now where I've realized I need to start collaborating with others to make videos. Like I need, I need to make, I want to make videos that have me in it, but I can't film myself. So I need others to work with. So that's a challenge I think I have right now. And obviously with COVID, yeah. that doesn't help things in general. Um, well, you've, Actually, you've yeah. figured it out with your podcast in a way, you know, you can do it remotely. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, um, do you remember, uh, like I live in a very, very rural area. So I'm like an hour and a half east of Toronto. You remember um, Matty Hapoya's old editor, Matthew Paquette? He just moved to my course, town. Yeah. So uh, I okay. think we're going to He actually, We actually and... had him on the show. On oh, nice. Podcast. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, great. So... Um, really funny guy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like big on tiktok and uh on on vine he was really big on oh vine right he had vine yeah he's one of the original yeah. people on that i loved vine yeah exactly loved you should it. connect with him for sure man yeah we're gonna we're gonna uh he messaged me we're gonna meet up and um yeah hopefully we can start doing some stuff together so it'd be good to have someone else that does youtube in this yeah. area i've said it multiple times but i'm gonna say it again for one of those people who are listening to this show who haven't taken my advice but it's so important to have somebody in your life and in your case is probably the podcast, but also hopefully it can be mad as well. But like having one or two people in your life that do what you do, whether it's YouTube, freelance, whatever, somebody that you can just kind of air your grievances on, like somebody you could just share your struggles with, um, share your ideas, bounce ideas back and forth. Uh, For me, it's Jev and Dovey. He and I, we text each other, call each other almost every day. Um, And I think he even has like two or three other guys that he talks to uh, as well. I only have him, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he's the guy that like we call each other almost every morning. It's it's my wife calls it, you know, is your boyfriend calling you? You know, um, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, like, I we, know what you mean. Yeah. I kind of asked him like straight up. I was like, dude, I just need somebody to kind of hold me accountable to talk to, to share ideas with. And he was like, yeah, I need that too. And so um, I do call other creators as well. but um he's the most consistent and it's just been so valuable and so important to me because i really look up to him as a creator he's obviously you know he's very successful he's got like i think almost six hundred thousand subs now um but on top of that he's also kind of in the same space as me in terms of creatively just trying to figure out what he wants to do next and we're able to really share that with one another and be completely unfiltered about it you know and i think it's important to have that it is because it's not like a lot of my friends, like as an example, a lot of my friends are in England still and it's none of them do anything like this. So they really don't understand it. They just look at it as you make videos, you put them on the internet, that must be easy, but there's, they don't understand like the behind the scenes of all it. So uh, to have someone yeah. you can chat to about, as you say, the pains and the trials and tribulations <laughs> is is very, very beneficial and can help you because you're going to be having a rough week and you have someone to, Well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. What did you get? No, I got more than Yeah. yeah. What did you get? What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What? They paid me half as much for more work, you know, or whatever. But that's Um, good because now you know that those are things you have no idea about. Okay. Well, you get a a deal from a brand. Oh, they're going to pay me that. Great. Someone tells you they got paid twice as much as you and they maybe have less subscribers or their engagement's lower. So you have no idea. So to have people to run those ideas off is fantastic. It's a good point. Yeah. Just make sure you don't share that information with the client. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't tell them that. They won't like that. <laughs> well, Chris, it was a real pleasure getting to know you better, hear your story, uh, learn more about you personally. 
Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully this uh, Zencaster website uh, doesn't fail us on the video. Um, I guess you'll see but, soon. Yeah, we'll see <laughs> soon. But yeah, thanks, Chris. I'll have to have you on thank again you, Dave. sometime. Pleasure's all mine. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll probably be seeing you soon on your podcast. Everybody go check out Chris's work. I'll link it down in the description below and in the show notes. And you can check out his YouTube channel, his podcast, his uh, Instagram and Twitter, all that kind of fun stuff. So Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. uh, Cheers. Yeah, man. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Chris Brockhurst. If you did, would you mind leaving a comment on the YouTube video? Maybe you didn't watch the video, you listened to the audio. Leave a comment. That gives me some engagement with you guys. There's a lot of people who listen to the show that never reach out, never say anything, because obviously an audio podcast, there's no way to communicate with me. So please go over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ghpod. Find this video, maybe some of the other videos that we've done. Leave a comment. And if you aren't a subscriber already, would you please subscribe? It would mean the world to me. Also, we've linked everything down in the show notes for Chris's stuff. Go check out his channel. A bunch of great reviews, tutorials, and different things. So go check out Chris, give him a follow, and let him know that you heard him on the Golden Hour Podcast. All right, once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio, and we'll see you next week.